Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast with Rebecca Coombs, the place where you can learn how to achieve a happy, healthy gut. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Welcome to episode 86 of the Healthy Gut Podcast. Today we're talking all about histamines and the histamine SIBO biphasic diet with Dr. Narala Jacoby and dietitian Heidi Turner, who are the creators of this diet. I myself have suffered for many years with histamine uh, flares, histamine intolerances, and so it's really great to learn what we can do when we go into one of those histamine flares and we just feel awful and we want to do something to help calm symptoms down. Now, if you'd like the transcription from today's episode, you can get it absolutely free just by signing up as a member of the Healthy Gut podcast. All you have to do is head to thehealthygut.com forward slash podcast and sign up. Follow the prompts to sign up. You'll receive an email every time a new episode of the Healthy Gut podcast is released and you'll get the transcription for all episodes in season three. So without further ado, here is Dr. Narala Jacoby and Heidi Turner talking all about their new histamine SIBO biphasic diet. Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast. It's wonderful having you both on the show. Welcome Dr. Narala Jacoby and Heidi Turner. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. I'm so excited about today's topic. It's something that's close to my own heart as a histamine person. And we're going to be talking about uh, histamine and SIBO and your brand new histamine SIBO biphasic diet, which is really exciting that that is here. But first, let's talk about what histamine actually is. There may be people who are listening thinking, hmm, I'm not too sure what histamine means. Um, Can we just kind of dive into a very brief overview of uh, what's happening if you're, uh, what is histamine and what's happening if you're sensitive to it or reacting to it? So histamines are basically just these chemical messengers that our body uh, produces. And we typically associate them more with like allergies. Um, Like, you know, when we have runny nose or runny eyes or hives or itching or something like that in response to allergies, we might take an antihistamine and pop that and that reduces that total histamine load that we produce. So um, they're just these, you know, so they're these chemicals that the body is is, um, needing in order to moderate more of an allergy response. But we also produce histamines for a number of other biochemical um, needs. So they are involved in our digestive process. They help us to build 
called stomach acid. Um, they are actually neurotransmitters. They help us build neurotransmitters. Um, they're part of our normal immune response. Uh, they regulate blood pressure. Uh, they are involved in hormonal regulation. So they really are um, really important mediators for a number of our biochemical processes. And the body has a really great way to regulate these histamines. We build them and then we utilize them and then we break them down through a couple of different uh, enzymatic systems. So one that comes up quite a bit is called diamine oxidase or DAO. But we have this generally nice little regulatory process. We build, we utilize, we break down. And when histamines become problematic is when this regulation becomes dysregulated. And so we might be building too much histamine or we lack the ability to break it down. And in either case, we end up with too much circulating histamine. So all the different systems that require histamine in order to function kind of start to go a little bit more haywire. And we start to experience, uh, for instance, more anxiety uh, because it's very hyper-excitatory neurotransmitter. Or we might start to get uh, more hot flashes uh, because that's part of our uh, estrogen metabolism. Or because uh, we're talking about the gut and SIBO, we might start to get more gut issues as well. So we might start to see more inflammation in the gut, abdominal pain. Um, we might start to see uh, more or stomach acid, uh, bloat, gas, things like that. So it's when we get into a system of dysregulation, too much circulating histamine, that histamines become more problematic. Something that I've experienced with my own histamine issues are skin irritations. I, um, my classic sign when my body is just overwhelmed with histamine is uh, hives, swollen eyes, itchy skin, hot, irritated skin. Do you see that as well with your patients that they're also getting skin irritations? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really common uh, common one that we would see. We might see um, that kind of falls into that more typical kind of, you know, allergy type of symptoms, but a lot of just that um, skin, eyes, nose, all of those things that we might see in that typical allergy presentation. Yeah. Are there any other symptoms that um, people might be experiencing that they should look out for that could be an indicator that their body is not coping well with histamine? I would add to that um, insomnia is a big one because histamine is also involved in circadian rhythm regulation. Um, also rapid heartbeat or tachycardia can happen uh, when, you, when there is a pretty strong histamine release. Sometimes with hormone, as Heidi mentioned, uh, we see uh, what's called dysmenorrhea or cramping with your period. Those kinds of uh, symptoms that we don't necessarily tie to histamine in our minds. Given that many of those symptoms could also be associated with other conditions like SIBO, how do you know if it's histamine or SIBO or something else that's causing your body to, to display those symptoms? Well, I think that oftentimes you don't, um, unless you have really sort of those clear symptoms that Heidi talked about, including hives and those kinds of things that are very clearly associated with histamine. You can have quite a strong overlap of symptoms between SIBO and histamine intolerance. So sometimes, and I've had this happen many times, and I think Heidi has too, we've talked about this, is that um, a patient may have come to us for SIBO 
and they have all the classic symptoms that were treated. And then it's not until we actually put them on a histamine lowering diet or the histamine biphasic diet that all of a sudden the whole case shifted and there were profound uh, symptom relief. So, so that does happen, but just from, from the outside bloating, diarrhea, even constipation can also be histamine symptoms. So sometimes it's tricky, but an astute practitioner will know how to really ferret that out. Yeah, I'll just add to that, that, um, uh, that yes, absolutely. And it is a constellation of symptoms that we would typically see as well. So if they're just having the gut symptoms, but not all of the other symptoms that we've discussed, then the likelihood that histamine intolerance is present is lower. Um, whereas, you know, if we have the gut stuff in addition to the insomnia, in addition to anxiety, in addition to hives, in addition to, so as a practitioner, I'm really looking for the full presentation as opposed to just individual symptoms as well. Mm, that's great to know. And are there any tests that you can do to, uh, show that the histamine is an issue or is it more about looking at these symptom presentation? Well, I think, um, you know, we, we know that histamine has a very short half-life, meaning that just even blood levels, testing for blood levels of histamine is not always accurate, even when histamine is, is elevated. But there is a panel of things like total IgE, histamine, um, you know, different things that are related to mast cells, which are the cells that actually contain histamines and release histamines. Uh, but a lot of those tests are at best about 50% accurate. If they're, if they're negative, that doesn't mean you don't have histamine intolerance. What I sometimes do is a, a test that looks for diamine oxidase, and it's sort of a, 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 a test that kind of looks at a bigger picture of leaky gut. And I've been finding that fairly accurate. And what about you, Heidi? Yeah, um, I typically, I don't order many tests, so I just use the dietary approach. So um, I have found, I'm glad to hear that you're you're getting some good results from that. So I'm going to take take note of that. Uh, hopefully the tests have, have gotten better over the last couple of years since this has become more prevalent. So, but I, I typically will just go with um, dietary elimination and then see what comes from that. And if we're seeing some good benefits from that, and it's kind of going along the line of, you know, what we're thinking is going on with histamine intolerance, then we'll just kind of take it from that perspective. So let's move into that dietary approach as one um, factor for treating histamine intolerance. You both have uh, worked long and hard over the um, histamine SIBO biphasic diet protocol, which is really exciting. It's taking the original SIBO biphasic diet, uh, which is the one I followed during my own SIBO treatment and have written my cookbooks and everything I've done on uh, that protocol. And now you've put a histamine overview uh, onto it. I'd love for you guys to talk about uh, what the diet looks like, how it works, how long you stay on it, and why it can be really useful for someone with a histamine intolerance. I think I'll start with that one, and then I'll give the reins to Heidi. So the way this all eventuated was that um, at one of the SIBO conferences, I think it was in Chicago, I heard um, Heidi give a really riveting uh, presentation on histamines, and I'd already been fascinated with histamine intolerance myself, but it was just like the perfect combination of an of a diet a nutritionist dietitian talking about histamine, and it was like a marriage made in heaven, Heidi. Right? <laughs> and, then, and then we started, and I have to say, you know, 
um, Heidi did a lot of the heavy lifting on giving us the sort of nutritional aspects to this diet. But um, going back to the original biphasic approach was a bit tricky with this um, because the original biphasic diet that I created, I think five or six years ago now, I, can't remember, I think it's been that long, um, was really based on the fact that I wanted a diet that helps to organize the approach to SIBO for the practitioner. And staying true to the biphasic approach meant that we had to massage the histamine diet uh, into categories of histamine liberators and histamine foods, as well as fermentable carbohydrates, which was a really tall order. So I let you take it from here, Heidi, because you, um, we really learned a lot from you through that process. Yeah, sure. So, you know, one of the issues in most of the SIBO diets that are out there is that foods that are 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 fermentable um, tend to be high in histamine. And so one of the issues is that, you know, in, in the standard person who has SIBO who does not have histamine intolerance, and I think that's really important to note that not everybody who has SIBO has histamine intolerance, um, but sometimes you would give, uh, you know, a biphasic diet or a, uh, a low fermentable diet to someone with SIBO and we would see their symptoms get much worse. And this would be an under, another indication for me that we were working with a histamine intolerance because we were giving them like tomatoes and spinach and all of these foods that are low, uh, on, typically on these low fermentable diets, but they're really high histamine. And someone who's really, you know, has a certain amount of inflammation and they don't have the adequate enzymes to break those histamines down, you're going to just adding more fuel to that fire. So um, it was really important to kind of marry these two things together for this particular population and acknowledging this particular diet is not for everybody who has SIBO. That's a really important thing to acknowledge. It's really just for the, the, the patient that has both of these conditions going on. And we really brought these two things together, which you know, is, is a challenging thing to do because we're already shifting down the diet in such a way that's pretty restrictive to manage from a SIBO perspective. Then we shrink it down even further to take it out and manage it from a histamine perspective. So it got, you know, pretty tight pretty quickly. And, um, and yet at the same time, it became a fairly necessary thing for this particular population who experiences this. Because in order to really kind of calm and, you know, cool that inflammation in the gut, um, at times it requires that level of dietary, you know, kind of restriction in order to really allow things to calm so that we can actually get in there and do the work that needs to get done and then be able to expand the diet out. So it was, it became, I felt, you know, as a, since I'm, you know, a dietitian and I work with the diet, it became a really important tool to work with. And, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, piggybacking on the, on the biphasic diet was just a great way to kind of bring these two things together. Now, Narala and Heidi, you've both done a histamine masterclass. So if people want to dive into this topic uh, in more detail, the masterclass is a great way to do so. And I do have a link to that on the show notes for today's podcast episode. And you can also get the free histamine diet download. So if you want to 
um, look at the diet or talk about it with your practitioner, then you can download that. And the link for that is also on the show notes. Now, Norella, you were just about to say something. Yeah, um, I was wondering, Heidi, if you could elaborate a little bit more for people on the difference between histamine liberating foods and histamine foods, because that was really the basis of how we created the diet in terms of phase one is quite restrictive uh, by removing both histamine-containing foods and histamine-liberating foods, and then transitioning into phase two, which uh, allows for the introduction of histamine liberators at at first. And then at the very end, uh, when because this process really is only meant to be done for about four to six weeks, it should take only that long, hopefully, sometimes uh, longer. But then we typically transition people onto the uh, phase two of their of the standard biphasic diet. So it is sort of like a process of getting people through and everybody is very individualized. So, you know, some people will um, take a little longer than others. So, yeah, I just wondered if you could uh, talk more about that, Heidi. Yeah, sure. You did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of sure. people are confused. A lot of people are confused about the term histamine liberator. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah. So we, so we, okay. So we have foods that are high in histamine, and these are like tomatoes, avocados, you know, spinach, and and eggplants. Um, and then we have these things called histamine liberators, and this is where things get really confusing when we're working with standard histamine diets. So histamine liberators are um, things uh, that, these are these biogenic amines. These are things uh, known as cadaverine, putrescine, spermidine, spermine, um, also histamine, tyramine. These are all kind of under this umbrella of histamine liberator or biogenic amines. And these are things that actually will, you know, will um, use up that DAO uh, that I referred to. That's that enzyme in the gut that helps us to break our histamine down. They'll utilize that DAO so that when we do take in more dietary histamine, it makes it more challenging for the body to break it down. So we ended up with a lot of excess histamine in the gut. So when we were designing the diet, uh, not only do we want to take the histamines out, we want to take the histamine liberating foods out as well. And you can only take so many out, just so you know, there's histamine liberators in almost every single plant-based food that we, we eat. So we could only do so much without completely just going over to an all-meat diet, uh, which we didn't really want to do. So, you know, we, we took those things, uh, all of that out, and we resourced a number of lists. There's a lot of lists out there. There's the Swiss interest group, there's the Spanish group, there's the Australian group, um, and really kind of took our clinical experience as well and kind of brought everything together into the diet. And the idea is that this really, and what Nerala said, to stress the fact that this is not a diet forever at all. This is a therapeutic diet intended to calm the inflammatory process and is intended to only stay there for a period of time. And I really look, I, as a dietitian, I'm really trying to expand the diet out as much as we possibly can. So if we're going to restrict the diet that much, we really just want to do it for no more than a two to four week period. I gear more towards the two week period before we then start expanding the diet out. And hopefully those symptoms have calmed within that period of time so that we can start to expand things out. And as Nerala said, you know, the histamine liberators, histamine foods, we all have very different tolerance to these things. So, you know, let's say we put you on this diet, you do this diet and you feel so much better. 
we don't want you to just hang out there because it's possible that we just took out a few foods that your body was reacting to, but you don't need to restrict the diet to everything we've taken out. So it's really important for us to just calm the situation down and then start incorporating more of these histamine liberating foods where we see the most uh, bioindividuality there as far as tolerance. And then as you progress through your treatment, then we can expand and hopefully your inflammation is reducing and your histamine tolerance is getting better. Then we can expand you into more histamine foods. And then eventually, then we kind of move you into that biphasic approach. Then we move you into the more fermentable food. So these diets are really intended for very short-term symptom management and then to help expand things out for you. What do you do with the patient who has we started to react to everything. So histamine is an issue. They've got SIBO. Um, they might be reacting to other chemical sensitivities like salicylates, oxalates. Um, and they've gone into the histamine diet. So they're down to a very restricted diet and then they feel like they can't go anywhere from there. They can't go back out. Um, how do you work with someone that is down to a handful of foods and, and really struggling to do any form of reintroduction? So, you know, in my years of doing this, what I found is the people that have the most reactivity also tend to have um, a lot of other things going on. It's not going to be just digestive issues. There's, I mean, digestive issues are often at the, at the center of it. But I found that um, people that have a lot of multiple sensitivities often also have issues around stress and anxiety. And, um, you know, so I, I work with not just the gut, I work also with um, things like hypnotherapy, uh, to try to really get people into a rest and digest rather than a chronic fight or flight. And one could argue that the anxiety and the fight or flight was initiated from the gut. But I often find that by working specifically with calming the nervous system, I um, I, I don't get total resolution at all, but I get at least a more manageable patient that can tolerate a little bit more. I also find that um, those people that have self-restricted their diets pretty severely um, get, have more and more intolerances um, because when you selectively feed only a handful of bacteria in your microbiome, anytime you reintroduce foods, you will have some reactions. That's just the nature of of, of food restriction and reintroduction that then should pass. Um, also, I will say that people that have very uh, few food choices often have a really disrupted microbiome. So there's multiple fronts that I work on at once rather than, you know, for me, after all these years, it's not really about killing the bacteria anymore. It is occasionally uh, but it's about all the other aspects and immune modulation and nervous system regulation and all of that that I find really helpful in cases like that. It always breaks my heart when I get a message from someone saying, I've been eating chicken and carrots for the last five years and I can't eat anything else. And like you say, Narala, they've often um, 
decided to take this, the foods out themselves because they were reacting to a lot. So I thought, well, I can't tolerate broccoli now, so I'll take that out because that makes me feel sick. And now they're just trapped and feeling so scared around every reaction because they feel so sick. Um, how long do you find either Heidi or Narala um, for, it to, for working with people on these multiple levels for them to be able to start reintroducing things? Is it days is it weeks is it months um it's perhaps not <laughs> not one answer um but for the people listening that are that they're going that's me oh my gosh that is me um can we give them some hope that there is light at the end of the tunnel that's a good question hey i've got loads more just like this coming up after this break we'll be back in a moment Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. How long do you find either Heidi or Narala um, for it to for working with people on these multiple levels for them to be able to start reintroducing things? Is it days? Is it weeks? Is it months? Um, it's perhaps not <laughs> not one answer. Um, but for the people listening that are that they're going, that's me. Oh my gosh, that is me. Um, can we give them some hope that there is light at the end of the tunnel? Yes, I do think that I definitely, I mean, that that's pretty much a lot of the people that I see because I see people that have failed all sorts of treatments at this point. So I had to get very creative with how I approach these people. And a lot of it is long distance, right? So I don't even oftentimes see these people in person, but, but really what it is, what I usually, this is what I usually tell my patients. It's like for every year that you've been ill, you need to give yourself at least a month of recovery. And we're not looking at, oh my God, this particular product, it was a miracle and everything turned around. It's like, if you can say, I'm about five to 10% better at the end of a month or two, you're making progress, right? So it's about setting realistic goals for yourself and um, really kind of, uh, sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. And that's what, what I can almost predict what's going to happen and I, I this is what I tell my patients is I expect you to react sometimes that's totally normal and even just knowing that just provides a certain sense of relief for people that okay well I'm going to react anyways and it's not so frightening um, when somebody who has a lot of experience with it tells them that so that's seems to t- sort of take the edge off you can expect reactions when you reintroduce foods that's just how it is but, you know, because a lot of people have removed things like broccoli because they heard that it uh, is a potential substrate for hydrogen sulfide, when in fact they may not have an issue with hydrogen sulfide. So a lot of people just take everything possibly out of their diet that could 
possibly interfere with with SIBO that may not even be pertaining to them at all. Yeah, I would agree with that, that it's really, uh, to, to that last point, I think it's really critical for us to really understand what has gotten them to that point, really look at the history of, you know, is it... Is it just you know taking things out because they were supposed to, or they saw a list, or is this a hydrogen sulfide SIBO thing, or is this a histamine thing? And sometimes we can get to that place just through fear, um, or is it that they really find that they cannot tolerate you know uh, more <laughs> those foods anymore, and they are down to chicken and carrots, and you know which case you know. I, as far as the time factor, I really do stress because many get frustrated if things aren't better within a month or two and, you know, kind of move on. And, and I always do stress that this is going to take some time. I like that, that, that five to 10% that you um, expressed to them, Narala. I like that. But really, you know, that this is going to take some time to work through because there's going to, this is not a straight line to healing. This is going to be, might be a windy road. And you can, and I say the same thing, you can anticipate there to be food reactions. You can anticipate to be feeling fine for a while, and then maybe you don't feel so good for a little while. Um, so there might be some two steps forward, one step back kind of situation going on. And what I'd also add to that is exactly, uh, I'm finding the same thing. The more that I work, I work with a very complex population, just like Nerala does. And Nerala, I, I, I believe the same thing, you know, working with the nervous system, I'm finding to be, I, I can't work without it. I mean, I mean, we all can't work without it, but I mean, I can't, I can't work. Um, like when we get to that level of reactivity, if someone's really truly at chicken and carrots and we're at oxalates and salicylates and histamines and all of that kind of stuff, we really have to step back from trying to treat and trying to supplement and trying to kind of, you know, work this thing out and really step back and acknowledge that, you know, if that, that body is in a really, is in a struggle. And it's in a fight or flight situation and that we have to really step back and allow it to trust us again and allow it to rest and allow and turn the, the volume down as much as we possibly can. And sometimes that means stepping back and doing different therapies like hypnotherapy, like limbic system retraining, which I'm recommending to most of my patients who have um, severe food intolerances. Um, like we're discussing, but working from that angle first and foremost, I believe gets us further down the road in healing and in reducing that level of reactivity. As someone that has experienced long-term chronic illness, as well as, you know, with my coaching clients, I see this because I, I just, I, my coaching clients are also the people that are more, have a more challenging scenario than the average Joe that's just got a simple case of SIBO. Um, but as someone that's lived firsthand, knowing when, when you've been sick for a long time and you've gone the traditional route, doctors haven't believed you, um, you haven't found solutions, you've been sick for years and years, it's so easy and understandable to get into that panicked state where you are just on edge every day because that's how you've been for so long and it the nervous system retraining I'm so glad you've both raised that because that's something that I had to come to myself and and that I do a lot of work with my coaching clients around just breathing and you know helping calm the calm the farm as I say because if we just stay stressed and freaked out over everything then how are we going to allow the body to heal um, something that I learned as you know as I was going through my SIBO treatment and I'll share this story um, for my listeners but 
I am classic type A. As soon as I started my SIBO treatment, I wanted it to be resolved within milliseconds. And I've since thought a lot about why that is. And I really believe our pharmaceutical industries have a lot to answer for. We see ads where we're told all you need to do is take some antibiotics and you'll be fine in a week or two weeks. And so we've been conditioned to believe that we can get over an illness or a chronic illness very quickly. And that's not always the case. Unless we've got an acute infection, infection, it's not going to just magically disappear. And I found that quite challenging myself um, as I would hit the three-month mark and then the six-month mark. And I'm like, I'm better, but I'm not perfect. <laughs> and why not? I'm doing everything to the letter. I have not cheated. You know, and I was really thinking about this language I was using. I don't cheat. I haven't done anything wrong. And and I was like, you know what, Rebecca, you've just got to give your body the, the time to recover. And when I learned that I also had histamine intolerance, I was really scared about it because I felt that I had failed because I'd done everything so perfectly and why was my body now reacting to histamines? Now I look at it with interest and I, and I encourage my coaching clients to do this. What can you learn from this situation? What has your body told you and what can you thank it for giving you? And my most recent huge histamine flare was following some liquid herbs. Um, I had a head cold. My naturopath said, I'll make you up a, a concoction of my liquid herbs these will work like wonders take it three times a day and on the third dose it was just I just blew out my histamines and I had head to toe hives uh, that lasted for three days and I was an absolute mess and my initial reaction was to freak out because I thought oh no I've failed I've put my body back to the start and then I thought no Rebecca this is a learning experience liquid herbs aren't for you it's too much it's just too much for your body um, and I used uh, you guys hadn't, hadn't released your histamine diet yet um, but I knew what you were doing with it you'd shared a draft version and I just followed that and and it was wonderful I had a couple I did that for a couple of days and everything calmed right down and I was able to start reintroducing some of those higher histamine foods again reasonably quickly which I was really happy about um, and I've noticed uh, that I'm more sensitive to some histamine foods or even the combination of them. So if we think about eggs, and for, so for so many people, this is a classic SIBO breakfast, eggs, bacon, maybe some avocado, maybe some nuts. And that is really high histamine. Maybe you've got some spinach and some tomato that you've put with your breakfast. And that's like a little histamine powerhouse. And I was realising that I was having um, – I was getting some body pain. I was getting a bit stuffy in my nose, a little bit of a sore throat, nothing to feel like, oh, I've really got sick, but just a sensation in my body that all wasn't right. And I realized that I was just going way too high on the histamines in any one, in any one meal. Whereas if I just had eggs or I just had avocado or I just had some bacon, then I was able to tolerate it just fine. Do you find that people, it's, it's kind of on a scale of how much they put in at any one time that that can also be the issue rather than one individual one individual food itself? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, there's, you know, we, we call it the histamine threshold. 
and you know really look at the amount that's coming through because if we're really working with you know especially those who don't have adequate amounts of that enzyme that DAO available to break down the histamines that are coming through um, you know, you might have just enough for the, you know, the tomato, but you may not have enough DAO available for the tomato and the avocado and the spinach and the eggplant coming through. Um, and you might need time to be able to kind of re regenerate that. So, you know, having some histamine at, at one meal, having it at the next meal, having it at the next may be better tolerated than having it all at once. And then in other respects, sometimes it can take a few days. So you might be doing fine and eating, you know, eating your histamine foods and being okay and feeling all right. But and day one, day two, and maybe around day three of introducing things back in, you might hit that threshold. So we always have to just be kind of keep, I think, for us to just stay aware of that threshold of like, well, why am I all of a sudden reacting? And to also know that, you know, other things help us, you know, make us create histamine as well, not just the food. So in some cases, you know, we're going to be able to tolerate that breakfast that you described, no problem. But, you know, if we're also happen to be incredibly stressed or, and it's our allergy season, you know, and there's other things going on that might trigger the body to create more histamine, then our tolerance might be less for that very same breakfast that we might have tolerated yesterday. So we always just have to be thinking when we're working with histamines, we always have to be thinking about the total load. What are the things that contribute to our load and how much can we tolerate in any given time? And I will add to that summary um, also that there's different reasons why people have high histamines. I mean, SIBO itself can destroy the diamine oxidase um, that's on the tip of the microvilli. So the bacterial gases can actually damage diamine oxidase. And that's very often the reason why people have histamine intolerance. But also um, a dysfunctional microbiome itself can actually release more histamine, as well as candida or yeast overgrowth can impair the detoxification of histamine. So some people may have all three, some people may have just one, some people have are sort of on a spectrum of histamine intolerance all the way to mast cell activation syndrome. So it's not a one size fits all. There's lots of different reasons or, or even poor detoxification through the liver in general can also cause a sort of a what I call the hairball in the liver effect, which is just where you just have poor detoxification of a lot of different things that can impede not just histamine. Um, so, you know, there, there's everybody is different. And I think that to me is more important than ever. And also just to mention that because uh, of what you said before is people are sometimes even just so alienated from their body and forget the fact that very often symptoms are a way for a body to tell you, hey, I'm trying to get back into a sense of normal, into a, into a balance that I can achieve. And so the body is, inc is incredible in its healing capacity. If you can just imagine when you cut your finger, how miraculously it, it knows what to do to heal that wound. And it does, it knows what to do. It's just about identifying it's not just about the food there's lots of different factors that can contribute to why you're why you have symptoms I used to be so scared of symptoms and now I really love them because it's a little it's like a guiding marker and I always thank my body for giving them to me now and say well 
that was interesting. That was an experiment. And thank you for body for giving me some symptoms because I either know, well, that was a bit too much or I'm not ready for that yet, or I'll come back to that. Uh, Whereas back in the day when I first started out with SIBO, I used to fear them because I thought symptoms equaled failure. Whereas now I just see them as my body communicating with me. And it's fascinating what you can hear from your body when you start tuning in. Mm -hmm. And also there are so many things that you can do to help yourself that don't involve supplements or dietary restrictions. There's a lot of things um, that you can do to uh, improve circulation, improve detoxification. Um, You know, all that, that's, that's one of the reasons I really created also a course for patients for this, because it, it was like people forgot what to do to help themselves that isn't about taking antimicrobials or probiotics or, you know, it always came down to that people needed to take something. Well, it's not always about that. There's a lot of things you can do to help yourself. And for anybody interested in that course, I've also got that linked into the show notes. Just in regards to, we've talked about the histamine um, SIBO biphasic diet. Uh, Are there any other um, go-tos in your kit bag that you know work really well with with the histamine folks? Are there, uh, you you said it's not always about supplements, but are there supplements? Are there um, other activities? Uh, Is there anything else that a histamine person who's listening might think, oh, I haven't tried that. um, that That might be useful for me. Well, if somebody, this is like, I'm just going to give one suggestion that I found really helpful. Um, I mean, besides the vitamin C and all of the other things that we, quercetin and those kinds of things that we know aim to stabilize histamine, but it's really about improving liver function. Um, and, and thinking about, you know, like we live in an, in an area that does have a lot of mold, for example. So if you have a house that has a lot of mold in it and you don't you may not know it you may have a water damaged building that or live in a water damaged building that you don't know is water damaged and you might have a, a certain amount of load that comes with even just a small amount of mold in your house um, or workplace that may contribute to your overall reactivity and mold or or histamine load um, so anytime you have uh, exposure to toxic mold or environmental molds, you will um, have more, you're more at a risk to actually release more histamine. And then it gets really tricky to just control it with your diet. So if you feel like you're just, you're not completely uh, controlled with diet alone, I would, I would really investigate at other causes of histamine release. And I would absolutely agree with that. Um, I spent, I ask my patients how much time they spend on their screens every day Um, because I do, again, it's coming back to that nervous system piece. And for some uh, who are very hypersensitized and have a very um, sensitive nervous system, um, their screen time can really exacerbate that. And so um, that's something that I'm working actually quite a lot with and seeing some pretty dramatic results in uh, when someone either, you know, turns off their wireless uh, more frequently or just spends less time overall or puts blue blockers on or but changes kind of their relationship with the screen overall doing less. Um, I'm finding that to be really beneficial when we're just trying to calm this total load on the body. And I do question how much that's kind of playing into our 
hypersensitivity these days. Um, and I'd say if I had to add one new supplement that I've been working with quite a bit for about the last six months that is becoming one of my favorites, um, and that's uh, the IgG supplementation, uh, Immunolin. And um, this is something that was released onto the market a year or two ago. It used to be under the name of Interagam, and then it was released onto the supplement market. And um, it's a, an IgG supplement um, that when typically after I will introduce either during or after the biphasic, low histamine biphasic diet, I will often introduce it prior to um, SIBO treatment. And oftentimes I will see, or sometimes I'll do it after SIBO treatment, but uh, I will find that it expands the diversity of the diet in most of the patients that I put on it. So certainly they can react to it just like they can react to anything because this is a more hypersensitive population and a hypersensitive gut. But I have to say that it is one of the things that I'm really finding I'm going to it more and more because I do see that dietary um, expansion happen a little bit more quickly and more effectively with it. I agree with that. I um, also use that with other food intolerances and it really comes down to mucosal immunity and mucosal reactivity or non-reactivity. So the IgGs are really helpful and very often this ties back to what we started our conversation with in terms of the stress because chronic stress really affects mucosal immunity. And um, this, this is just something um, that's been shown to, at least in my practice, and it's great to hear you too, Heidi, has, has been really helpful with my patients as well. That's great to hear. So thank you, Dr. Narala Jacoby and Heidi Turner for coming onto the show and, and sharing a little bit about the histamine biphasic diet. Um, now, as I said at the start, there is the histamine masterclass. So if you would like to dive more into histamine and learn more about it, uh, please do so. And I've got the link for that in the show notes. And you can also download the histamine diet um, protocol uh, from the SIBO doctor website, which is Narala's website. And the link for that is in the show notes. Now, if anybody wants to reach out and connect with you, are you both taking patients? I, I believe, Narala, you're not at the moment. Um, I had to close my books for now. Um, this is a temporary, like I just was too overwhelmed with it, but I have two very excellent practitioners that I've trained uh, and one nutritionist who is completely on the ball with all of that. Um, so Anne Kreiner and Emily Sugars are here at the Biome Clinic for new patients. Yes. And Heidi, are you taking patients? I am. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I work uh, virtually and remotely with um, with any patient who would like to work with me. I'm uh, at foodlogic.org, and uh, I'm stateside. <laughs> so <laughs> in a different time zone <laughs> in a different time zone exactly. thank you both so much for coming on to the show uh, and sharing your knowledge around histamines and uh, thank you both also for creating the histamine biphasic diet uh, I've used it successfully when I've had flares and I know some of my coaching clients have as well and, and uh, it's really great to have yet another resource out there for uh, the histamine SIBO folk my pleasure. Nice to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. 
Thanks for tuning in and listening to episode 86 of the Healthy Gut Podcast with Dr. Narala Jacoby and dietitian Heidi Turner. I hope you've learnt heaps like I did all around how histamines work and how the histamine SIBO biphasic diet might be a really supportive uh, and useful tool for you if you ever find yourself in a histamine flare. Now to get today's transcription, don't forget you can do that just by being a member of the Healthy Gut Podcast. Just head to thehealthygut.com forward slash podcast, sign up and you will receive an email immediately with links to download all of the transcriptions from episode three. And can I ask a huge, huge favour, please, guys? It would mean the world to me if you could leave a rating and review and let people know season three is back and what you love about the Healthy Gut podcast. I look forward to speaking with you next week with our next episode of the Healthy Gut podcast. You've been listening to the Healthy Gut Podcast with your host, Rebecca Coombs. To learn more about the Healthy Gut or our podcast, head to thehealthygut.com forward slash podcast. We would like to thank Red Lemon Productions for the production and original music score of this podcast. To find out more about their services, head to redlemonproductions.com. The Healthy Gut Podcast is a production of The Healthy Gut. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.